0: John 14, we're going to start with verse 1. John 14, we're going to start with verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That's that's appropriate for all times, but especially today. But Jesus, didn't you hear about the new variant? Delta, Delta. Delta Plus, Lambda. It's like we're about to have a Greek organization up here. Jesus, didn't you hear about all the new variants? Let not your heart be troubled. Well, didn't you hear what the government said? Let not your heart be troubled. What about Wall Street? Let not your heart be troubled. What about everything else that's dramatic and traumatic in the world? Let not your heart be troubled. You have complete control over your heart. Oh, I can't help how I feel. Yes, you can. Come on, you don't even believe that. Because if you have kids and they're acting out a certain way, you remind them they can help their actions. So don't tell yourself something different now that you're older. I just can't help it. Yes, you can. Don't look at me like that. I just got started. I haven't even gotten admitted into my message. You can't help yourself. Stop telling yourself what you can't do. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were more than a conqueror. I thought you were anointed. I thought you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, so you can help how you feel. You may need some help in that department, and that's okay if you need help. But the thing is, you know what's mature when you know that you need help? Get help. Not just say, well, but I don't need help, I'm just going to be bad all by myself. We've seen that. Get your help. But you have control over your heart. You can make a decision or not whether you let your heart be troubled. That word troubled means agitated. It means disturbed. It talks about losing your equanimity, your peace and calmness of mind. Don't let anything cause you to lose your peace. Why? It is too valuable. And please don't let petty people take your peace. you stressing about someone what posted about you. Stop looking. Let not your heart be troubled. The, your heart is too important for what God has for you for you to allow to be agitated during these times. There will always be something that can steal your peace. There will always be something to agitate you, to cause you to lose your temper. They will always, well, just, you know, when all these variants are done, there will be something new to cause you to lose your peace. So don't wait for another, a better day to control your heart. You should start right now. Because if you allow your circumstances and situations to determine your peace, you won't have much of it. If you allow your circumstances and your situations to determine your peace, you won't have much of it. You'll be up and down, up and down all the time, and you'll disobey the commandment of Jesus and let not your heart be troubled. That's a command from your commander. Control your heart. He goes on and says, you believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If we are not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, thank God, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Remember, this is something he's announcing to the disciples they'd never heard before. They didn't know that God was going to have mansions for them. They knew of a place called heaven. They, some of them even knew of the new Jerusalem or the heavenly Jerusalem. But when you study the Old Testament, there's not much they knew. They knew that there's a throne in heaven, and God has a court and a throne room in heaven. But imagine the shocker to them when is that I'm preparing a place for you there. God is preparing a place for you. Say so God is preparing a place for me in heaven. When we talked about the atmosphere of heaven a couple weeks ago, we used Psalm 16, verse 11 for one of our verses. It says, you will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness, or the abundance of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In his presence is the fullness, overflowing, abundance, satisfying, above all, of joy. And it's not just, okay, I got a little joy. I'm just content. I'm so glad I had some joy. It just... My appetite, it was perfect. No. We're talking about Thanksgiving, full. I didn't need that second, third, or fourth helping, but I had it anyways. I've been really good this year. Now I'm really satisfied. I am full. That's the type of joy that's in heaven. We looked at the different examples how when Jesus used the parables, and he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's the same type of joy we're talking about here. Now the translation says, let us celebrate together. This word joy is not just gladness, oh I'm happy and I know it so I clap my hands. No. This joy is translated how they would use a festival. A celebration. The atmosphere of heaven is a constant turn up. Of celebration. Of a festival of joy. It is a heavenly party. A heavenly celebration constantly in the presence of God. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12 when it talks about the general assembly of the firstborn. That phrase general assembly doesn't mean, okay, everybody's gathered together. It paints the picture of an entire population coming out for a public games. So the same type of festivities we would see in normal times for the Olympics, the celebrations, everything that goes with it, that's how the writer of Hebrews used to describe heaven when all the believers had gathered together. That is... The joy in heaven. Then we looked at last week, Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And their works do follow them. So two things, well, multiple things we saw about that passage. There's rest in heaven. And your works follow you to heaven. Another translation says their good deeds follow them. Well, what about their bad deeds? Why would your bad deeds go to heaven? You've been washed in the blood. Your bad deeds do not remain. There is not a book in heaven that contains all your wrongdoings if you're born again. Why? Why would God keep a record of your sins if you washed them away? That is counterproductive. You're not going to get to heaven and go, Okay, I'm standing before God. It's all right, a year 27. Ooh, you, you were extra that year. Let's go down what happened. Well, but wait, 45 is going to take a couple years to go through because you, ooh, what happened? That's not what's going to happen when you stand before him because your sins have been washed away. When you stand before him, he'll be judging your good deeds, which Paul talks about gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And what remains after that judgment is how you'll be rewarded. And so one of the things we made clear last Sunday as well as the Wednesday before that, that there are gifts and rewards. There are gifts and rewards. Salvation is a gift. Being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is a gift. Being born again is a gift. You receive those by faith. Heaven being made your home is a gift. You received it by faith. Those are Gifts. You don't work for a gift. You just receive a gift. Now a reward is something you work for. There are people who will get to heaven who will have no rewards. Well, we're glad they made it in. Because, you know, we're living for well done, thou good and faithful servant, not well. Well done, not well. Just sit down. Just sit down right here. Just be grateful you got it and just take a a seat right there. That's not what we're living for. We want well done. Because well done comes with rewards. Paul's talked about people who make it in who don't have rewards, they are saved as of by fire. What does that mean? They're saved. They made it in, but they have nothing to show for their life on earth. It's like someone who escapes a house fire. The most important thing is they are alive, but everything they had burned away. We don't want to be those who get to heaven when we made it in, but we have nothing to show. We want to be those who lived well on earth, and God gives the rewards. I don't know about you, but I want gifts and rewards. I don't want either or. I want both. Anybody else want both? And we talked about how there are gifts and rewards for you on earth, and gifts and rewards for you in heaven. There's both. Not everything's in the sweet by and by. There's now and there's then. One of the things I've repeated in this series is the first time a believer experiences heaven should not be when they get there. The first time a believer experiences heaven should not be when they get there. A believer should be so well acquainted with heaven that they can pass out samples on earth. You should be so well acquainted. That, Because, you know, if he, you know, back in the other times when you go to grocery stores, if some of you, like, I knew exactly what time it was because they'd have the samples ready. It's like, you know, I don't even need lunch. If I time it right and at these right stores, you know. And the thing was, they'd pass out samples. But if the sample was good enough, even if you didn't plan to buy anything, you got that thing because the sample... Was that good? See, there are people in your life, they don't want to know nothing you got to say. But if the sample you pass out is good enough, they will want to know your Jesus. And believers have to be so well acquainted with heaven, they can pass out samples now that people want to know about. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. So everything we've talked about heaven, the joy... The rest, we should experience it on earth. We shouldn't just experience the joy of heaven when we get there. We can have joy now. And that joy is not dependent on circumstances and situations. That rest, we talked about last week, how you can actually accomplish everything God has for you, have work-life balance, have good mental health, enjoy your life, and experience the rest that comes from heaven. But you have to do it his way. Because if you try to do all those things your way, you will not have good mental health, number one, and you will not enjoy your life. You will frustrate yourself trying to do things your way. How many know God is smarter than you? Anybody realize that yet? If not, give it a little while. You'll know very quickly. And so Jesus told us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, how we can experience that rest by coming to him and hustling like him. See, God does expect you. Well, let's go there. I'll go. Back to Second Corinthians 2. Go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Because some people get in one side of the ditch or jump over the road and get to the other one. So, well, God wants me to rest, so I ain't doing nothing. He never told you that. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your emotions, your mind, your will will be refreshed. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God expects you to work. God expects you to hustle. But if you learn your hustle from American culture and you learn your hustle from everybody else, you won't have good mental health. You won't enjoy your life. You won't have work-life balance. But if you learn to hustle like Jesus, you can have it all and accomplish everything God has for you. See, that's what we're going to talk about this week on Faith in the Morning, our daily devotional, hustling like Jesus. Because Jesus had a three-year mission, right? His ministry was three years. But you think, well, if those three years, there's no stopping for three years. I'm going to run for three years. That's what Jesus did. He took breaks. Jesus went on vacation and took a crew with him. So maybe, just maybe, our view of hustling is not what it's actually supposed to be. And maybe the reason we're not accomplishing what we're supposed to be accomplishing is because we're hustling out like Americans instead of citizens of heaven. But we'll get to that in Faith in the Morning tomorrow. So go with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. So we'll cover that in Faith in the Morning this week. Listen to it on the podcast or our stream or our on-demand section of the Faith Plus app. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And when we look at the scripture, that word present doesn't mean, like when we're in school saying, well, so-and-so here, present. That's not what it means. That word present means to be at home. It means to be among one's own people. It means to dwell in one's own country. So when you're, at, when you're absent from the body, you're at believers, you're at home with the Lord. You're in your own country with your own people. Now, we can all say heaven belongs to God. How many believe? It's like heaven, that belongs to God. That's God's home. We're well, quoting this verse and others. Heaven belongs to you as much as it belongs to God because he shared it with you. Say heaven is my home. Say heaven belongs to me just like it belongs to God. So let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Let's get into some new things, continuing on this line of thought. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Paul says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Chapter three, verse 20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Say citizens of heaven. Say citizens of heaven. Now, a citizen is a person who by place of birth, nationality, of one or both parents, or naturalization, is granted full rights and responsibilities as a member of a nation or political community. A citizen is a person who by place of birth, nationality, or by both parents, one or both parents, or naturalization is granted full rights and responsibilities as a member or of a nation or political community. That's what a citizen is. I am a citizen of the United States of America. And being a citizen, I have certain rights. And my rights just don't apply if I'm on American soil. I'm a citizen. My rights still apply if I'm in Great Britain, if I'm in Italy, if I'm in Japan, if I'm in Zimbabwe, if I'm in Egypt, if I'm in Brazil, if I'm in Australia. My rights still apply. Just because I'm on another soil does not mean I'm no longer a citizen. I remember one time years ago, I was traveling, and I was on a train, and the conductor wasn't doing what I considered right, but I didn't know how to fluently speak his language. I don't think I knew much of all of his language, but I knew who did, the American embassy. Boop, bump, bump. Hello, my name is Kerrick Butler. I am a citizen. I pay my taxes. I need you to talk for me. You're looking at me like, you did what? You better believe I did. And they translated for me and handled the situation. Why? I'm a citizen. I wasn't in America. I was on another continent. But I'm a citizen. And as a citizen, I have certain rights. And when I travel, I know if something goes down to the country, I just need to know where the embassy is. Because if something goes down, I got a passport. They will open up their gates for me. Why? I'm a citizen. I don't. My rights are not held back just because I'm not on home country's soil you are a citizen of heaven and that comes with rights and your rights don't start when you get to heaven you have those rights now your eternal life does not begin when you die eternal life began with you when you were born again So why put off to the future what is yours now? Why put off the benefits of your rights to the future what you can have now? Like, Minister Kurt, think about it this way. Imagine somebody going to heaven, and God shows them this wonderful room filled with all these wonderful, amazing things. And they go, oh, God, is this my heavenly reward? He says, no, that's what I had for you on earth, but you wouldn't take it. What are you putting off for the future that God wants you to have right now as a citizen of heaven? See, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love Him." People shout out that scripture. But that's not really the scripture you should shout about. Eye hasn't seen it. Ear hasn't heard it. It hasn't entered the heart of Matt. Well, dude, how will I recognize it? Come on, when I order something from Amazon, I know what it looks like and I know when it should arrive. I don't want, ooh, mystery box. No. And I don't want a mystery arrival date either. Come on, I'm a prime member. I want it in 48 hours. Look, ooh, I want it tomorrow. What, tomorrow morning? Bet. Let's go. Right? So don't just spiritualize us like, oh, I haven't seen you. You want to see it. You want to hear it. You want it. stop looking at that. How many of you want it? Because the verse to shout about is the next one. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the things that God has prepared that previously hasn't entered into the ears, previously hasn't entered into the eyes, previously hasn't entered into the heart of man. God will show you those things by the Holy Spirit, which means if you don't listen to the Holy Ghost, you won't see it even if it's prepared for you, even if it's yours. Come on, we've all gone to certain events or concerts or games or whatever, and let's say they had tickets for you at will call. If you don't get, go and pick up your ticket, you ain't getting in. Although you have a right to access it. You could stand outside that stadium and dance all you want, shout all you want, name it and claim it all you want. You can run around the stadium if you got the energy. But until you go pick up those tickets and use those tickets, walk through those doors, you ain't getting in. But too many Christians don't realize there's a ticket waiting for them. They don't realize there's something for them at a real well call already. I said, well, one day God's going to give it to me. Already done. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? I don't feel it. Come on, if you're always led by your feelings, the only time you might feel spiritual is because you had some good food to eat. Oh, I felt something. Might not be Jesus. Could be gas. You can't be moved by your feelings. You've got to be moved by the truth of God's word. The Bible says it's yours. So you have to act like it. Heaven is yours. You have to act like it. You are a citizen of heaven. So you have to act like it. Because God, yes, has prepared wonderful things for your future in heaven. But some of the things he's prepared is not just for your future in eternity, but for your future right now. Because so think about it. This is your future. Yesterday. This is yesterday's future. So how much are you putting into 100 years from now that you can have today? It's yours. it would be one thing if it wasn't yours. It'll be one thing God said you have to wait till you get to heaven to experience this. But he did it. It's yours now. Say it's mine now. Say right now. Right now. Go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. There are things for you in heaven, but there are things in heaven for you that are supposed to manifest in your life right now. That you've left at will call. Or let's use another example. Let's say someone paid for an item for you. But you had to go pick it up, so it's waiting for you at the store. And all you have to do is show the receipt and get it. Now you can go to the store and just begin to cry. Don't you want me to have it? Don't you know how much it would bless my life? Or you could be like, "Oh, I really need it. Give me an order. Come on!" You and shouting, and dancing in the front of. Whatever's doing, they look like, what has happened to them? But how many know, you don't need all the theatrics? All you got to do is show your receipt. And they'll give you that item because what? It belongs to you. There are so many things in heaven that belongs to you that you just have to show your receipt, which is your faith. Faith in God's word. Faith. In what he said, not in your feelings, not in the U.S. government, not in the economy, but in what thus saith the Lord. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure. That word treasure means storehouse or warehouse. Notice it said next, the heaven. There is a heavenly storehouse. Now we think about a lot of things in heaven, we don't think about a storehouse. Or a warehouse, but there is one. And in this heavenly warehouse, say, Give the rain unto your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend unto many nations, you shall not borrow. Say, so, Oh, Pastor, that's just an analogy. You know, he's talking about the clouds and rain. Well, one, that's part of it, and that is important. How many know in an agricultural society they need some rain? Now, for us today, it's like, Oh, no, drought's bad. My grass won't look good. But no, they produced the food they ate or they produce stuff that they sold and that's how they made their living. So rain was crucial to their survival and to their prosperity. But notice, he didn't just say rain. He says, and bless all the work of your hands. So that storehouse also includes blessing, not just rain for the land. Well, for most of you, when you hear that word rain, it might be nice. You know, in the summer, it's nice because it cools off how hot it gets. That's why none of y'all should go to hell. You can't handle the heat in Georgia during the summer. You don't, don't try hell, don't. Get saved now. Don't try that heat now. But rain, to most of us, it's like, oh, it's just rain. Oh, man, it messed up my Saturday plan. But if you're an agricultural society, it's a need. If you have land that you've sold seed, it's a need. If you have land that you've worked and tilled, it's a need. See, Proverbs tells us two different times we are to work our lands. Do you have any land to receive the rain from the heavenly storehouse? Then he said he'll bless all the works of your hands. Remember, we already talked about how we, last week how we're supposed to work, how we're supposed to hustle. But have you prepared any works to receive the blessing? Because if there's no land you've prepared or no work you've done, that rain is waste. It's a nuisance. He's like, oh, what's that for? What is it? A missed opportunity. Have you prepared your land? Have you prepared your works? to receive what heaven has to pour out. Because heaven can pour it out, and you don't receive the full benefits of it because you haven't prepared your land. You haven't prepared your works. You can run, dance, and shout, I receive it, I believe it, that's great. But have you done the prep work? It's quiet in this place. Let's look at Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. Do you have some place for the rain to land? Have you prepared a spot for the blessing to land? Genesis 28, verse 12. I want to show you some things and get to where I'm going. And Jacob is fleeing for his life. He's been blessed, but now he's in a situation of his own creation. And in his fleeing, he gets tired one night and he stops to rest. He's not that comfortable. He sleeps on a pillow. I guess it's better than nothing though. And at that night, he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder. The scripture says, going from the earth to the heaven. And on that ladder, angels are ascending and descending. And at the top of the ladder is the Lord. And he repeats the covenant to him that he said to Abraham and to Isaac. He says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land where you lie, to you will I give it and to your seed, and your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and you and your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you in all the places where you go and bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. So he's repeating the covenant that he made to Abraham. Just like he repeated that covenant, that oath to Isaac. Now he's repeating it to Jacob. He says, I'm going to do exactly what I told your grandpa and exactly what I told your dad. I'm going to do in your life what I promised them. And he that in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What Galatians calls the gospel. He's preaching the gospel to Jacob. And then notice what happens. Jacob wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he was afraid. He said, how dreadful, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now let's look at some stuff real quick. There was a ladder, right? No, there's a ladder. It's not a question. There's a ladder, right? The ladder went from earth to heaven, right? It went from the earth to heaven. I'm not tricking you. I just need you guys to see this for a second. It went from the earth to heaven. So the ladder touched the ground, right? It was a spot. It was a place. In this place, Angels would ascend and descend. The ladder was on a place. Say, the ladder was on a place. Now go with me to John chapter 1. The ladder was on a place. There was a place. There are places in spots. and spots. that, for the lack of better terms, it seems like the atmosphere is porous. The atmosphere is weak. It's a place where heaven can manifest itself more easily. There are places like that. There are places that can be prepared like that. John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus said, unto his disciple who was just tripping that Jesus knew some information about him. This is verily, verily, or truly true as a man. I'm telling you the truth. Hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We see angels and descen- angels ascending and descending on a spot, on a place. Now we see angels ascending and descending on a person, well, that's Jesus. He's the son of God. Yes, he's the son of God, but he did not operate on this earth as the son of God. He operated on this earth as a man anointed by God. He laid the privileges of his deity aside. He was still 100% God, 100% man, and operate on this earth as a man anointed by God. So they weren't ascending and descending on him because he's God, but because he's the anointed man of God. Angels ascending and descending on a spot angels ascending and descending on a person. And Jacob called it the gate of heaven or the door of heaven. Like over their life or on their life, heaven ascends and descends. Say on a place and on a person. Let's look at Mark chapter 1 verse 9. Talk about the baptism of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straight where immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open. Say, the heavens open. And the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Look at John's testimony of this in John chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. And John bare a record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So it wasn't just the fact that the Holy Ghost came on Jesus. It was the fact that he stayed. It wasn't just that he came upon, it was the fact that he rested. And God told John, your sign is the one who the Holy Ghost comes upon and stays on. Well, that's because he's the son of God. I just said he didn't operate as a son of God. He operated as a man anointed by God, which lets you know Jesus had prepared his life for the Holy Ghost to rest. For the Holy Ghost to remain. Not just a Sunday experience. An encounter in the synagogue, but a life that was prepared for the Spirit of God to rest upon. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And I'll say what I want to say. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. We see angels ascending descending on a spot on a person and then a life where the holy spirit can rest upon more than just being baptized in the holy ghost with a bible evidence speaking in tongues but a life that he can rest upon just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you have a life he can rest upon cuz you can speak in tongues on sunday cuz somebody else on monday is not a life that he can rest upon Mark 4, verse 30, and Jesus said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? Talking about God's mode of operation, how God does what he does, how the kingdom of heaven operates in this earth. It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air or the birds of heaven may lodge under the shadow of it. And this scripture, this passage has been echoing my heart pretty much the entire summer. The sea, the mustard seed, this faith, it's the word of God. It's cultivating the word, cultivating your faith in the word, where it can grow to a place where things can rest on it. Branches so strong that the birds of heaven can rest on it. Have you prepared your land to receive the reign of heaven? Have you prepared your works to receive the blessing of heaven? Have you prepared your life to be a gate or doorway of heaven and a place where the Holy Spirit and all his blessings can rest and remain? Not for an encounter, not just for an experience, but a life. See, there's so many things we can see in this parable, but it's also about the blessings of God. Are there some blessings that you've only had temporary because you haven't prepared for it to remain? Are there times you've seen just an explosion of blessing and not a lifestyle of it because you weren't prepared to receive it? How many miracles have you missed because you didn't do the prep work? How many breakthroughs have you missed because you weren't ready to receive it? That you lay claim to it by faith on Sunday and shouted and danced and experienced God. But because the rest of the week wasn't prepared for it to rest on, you just had that experience on Sunday. See, I've retitled this message. It's called Incoming. You see, you know, we live in a day and age where space travel has really advanced. You know, we have space tourists now. You know, some of the technology that I realized was what Elon Musk and his company did where they can launch a rocket and it can land itself back in the same spot. But Whether it launches itself and lands in the same spot, how many you know that spot has to be prepared for the rocket to land? How many of you ever flown an airplane are glad that there's a spot for you to land? Not saying, well, we'll see what happens when you get here. No, no, no. I need a spot prepared for when I land. And the air tower gives clearance Land on this runway. We are ready for you. There's a place that has been prepared. Because if not, what happens in the airplane? This keeps circling and circling and circling. What is circling around your life? Because you haven't prepared a place for it to land. And you're wondering, God, where is my blessing? And God's saying, where's my landing spot? Oh, I'm waiting on God. Nuh-uh. He's waiting on you. You're blaming God. And God said, look, Ephesians 1, 3 said, I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly things, in the heavenly places of the things that exist in heaven. It's yours. Where's the spot where I can put it? Because if you haven't worked your land, rain does you no good. If you haven't grown any branches, there's nowhere for the birds of heaven to rest. And so I'm here to tell you, incoming. Heaven's about to pour something out, but today is your message to be prepared to receive it. You say, but pastor, look what's going on. Yes, in the midst of Delta and Lambda and all the drama on earth, There is an incoming from heaven, but you need to prepare to receive it. Because if not, you'll just shout about it on Sunday and never see it on Monday. This is your message to tell you, prepare. Get ready. There is an incoming from heaven, and it's good. It's wonderful. It's better than you can ask, think, pray for, or imagine. It is overflowing with God's goodness, his joy, and rewards, and gifts. But you need to prepare to receive it. You need to do the prep work. You need to work your land. You need to get things ready to receive the blessing of God. Are you ready to be blessed? Are you ready to receive the overflowing of the blessing? Last hour, I proclaimed something like this. It was about the rain of heaven years ago. And I said, It's t- time for rain. And a few months later, Bishop and others began to play, Yeah, we're about to into a season of rain. Lord, let us know that it didn't stop. But I remember that Sunday, because we went to a family dinner afterwards, we're going to a family wedding, that I was going to get the car to pull it around. And out of nowhere, it began to rain. And it wasn't just, you know, it was a real Georgia rain. That if you get caught out in it, well, it's going to take you a long time to get dry. And I was like, I, I was caught up in it. and I was like, Lord, I get the sign. I get it. Can we stop it for a second? I still need to make it to my car. But it was my confirmation. And now I'm proclaiming to you it again. Get ready for the reign of God. Get ready for this fabulous outpouring from heaven. Get ready for heaven to land on your life. This message is to announce to you that you must do the prep work to receive what God has for you. Because if you don't, you will just, oh, glory to God, it's sprinkled. No, it's sprinkled on you because you weren't ready. And the person next to you got the deluge. Not because God loved them more, but they did the prep work. They were ready to receive it. So work your land. Grow your branches. Prepare your works. Incoming from heaven. Stand to your feet. See, Psalm 31, verse 19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness. That word great means abounding. Massive. Your goodness, your property, your supply, your blessing, everything that's good to the widest and largest extent. Which you have laid up or reserved for those that reverence you. Put us a stop there. Which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So all these things have been reserved for you in heaven. It's not just meant for heaven. God wants to put it on your life now. I said he wants to put it on your life now. He said it's for those who trusted him, those who have the act of faith in him. It's more than a faith declaration, but it's a faith declaration that's backed up by you doing what he said. That you're going to show your faith by your prep work. You're going to show your faith by being diligent. You're going to show your faith by doing the work that God has called you to do. Day after day, day after day, day after day. Ignoring the distractions from the enemy. And doing what God's called you to do. That's how you're going to show your faith. Your faith is more than a confession. It's more than a shout. It is a lifestyle of you doing what God told you to do. This is what's coming to you. But you must prepare for. I said you must prepare for it. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice in this room and online and watching and replay. Father, I pray that you grant them clarity. That you help them focus and not be taken astray by the distractions Satan will send today and tomorrow to get them to forget what you told them today. You've already spoken to so many concerning what they need to do. Help them not to be forgetful hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, so as it says in the book of James, they may be blessed in their doing. I've done my part, Father, and now I proclaim, incoming, prepare to receive from the open floodgates of heaven. In this time, in the midst of everything going on, get ready to receive so much it boggles the mind of everybody around you. Get ready to receive the goodness of God on such a level that you don't have the eloquent words to explain it. Hallelujah. The blessing of God. The blessing of God. Brother Aaron, I want you to flow with me. If we just take a mic, and I just want you to sing Incoming of the Spirit gives to you to sing out, incoming. You know, I just thought about that word. You've seen it in the movies and other places when someone shouts, incoming. It's not, oh, it'll be here in five years. It's sudden. It's, you better get moving quick, because it's coming. I said, you better get ready quick, because it's coming. Don't say, well, I'll think about this word later, past maybe, if I feel someone. No. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, incoming. Shoot. Low rhythm.